Good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chaf in Masech's Nadarim, which means, if we're lucky, Andrew, we'll finish the second parak. This is the last Mishnah in the second parak of Masech's Nadarim as follows. The Mishnah says, we're talking about Nadar B'cherem. What are we talking about? Like this. We said that when a person makes a neder, sometimes if it's ambiguous, so you're going to go to l'chumra, because you don't necessarily know what they mean. And l'chumra means you're going to obligate that person, right, to, you're going to obligate that person to follow through, right, with all the stringencies of the neder, etc., but that's only if it remains ambiguous. What if the person says, you know, I, di- I didn't say konum, I said Conan. I meant that I uh, wanted to be like Conan the Barbarian. I meant, I meant something totally, totally nonsensical, right? So the, anth- the amazing thing in our Mishnah is, even though, and that's the Chiddush, because really in the previous Mishnah, and this is, I got the schuss of listening to Rabbi Shalom Razna, the great Dafyomi master, um, and he was saying the Rashbam, that even though in the previous, right, Mishnah, we already alluded to this, here the Chiddush is that even if you say something nonsensical, you kind of have to believe in Barry, okay? Because who are we to know what exactly he meant? And as we'll see, this guy's going to be potentially an Amaretz, and still, we're going to have to believe him as follows. It says the Mishnah. So we say, okay, so, so, okay, so you refer to a Cherem, you put someone in Cherem, you put yourself in Cherem relative to someone else. No, I didn't mean Cherem, Cherem. I meant like a fishing net that's called a Cherem. Or Bekarban, meaning like he's, he's, right, as we've said, he's designating something as a, and he's saying that it's like a Korban. That it's usr. No, I didn't mean like a korban in the classical sense that you bring a sacrifice in the base of Mikdash. I meant like, you know, like a present for a king, which is weird, but if that's what he meant, that's what he meant. We believe him. That's the Chiddush. Okay, or hare atzmi korban, right? He makes himself like usr to somebody or to something. He says atzmi, meaning myself. No, I don't mean atzmi myself. I meant atzmi, my bone. My etzem. Oh, which bone? Yeah, no, I have a bone that I had. I put it somewhere and I set it aside. Uh, okay, that's not what it sounded like, but that's what we have to believe if that's what he says he meant. Okay, a fourth example. Koinam ishti nanesli. I make a koinam that my wife can't have any hana for me. We already talked about these dudes who are making the darm and um, disrupting the right, uh, trouble in paradise in their shalom bias, and we say, oh, you made, you made yourself asr for, for to your wife, and that's what, he, that's what he said. But upon questioning, he says, no, that's not what I meant. When I said my wife, I don't mean my current wife, I mean my ex-wife. I just, that's how I say my ex-wife, is I say my wife, but I'm referring to the wife that I had already uh, divorced. Okay, says the Mishnah, concludes, which means we don't have to, right? Usually if you have a nether and you need to get out of it, you go to the Chacham, you go to the Rabbi, and you get She'ela. Here, we believe them, which is to say they do not, uh, right, uh, they don't take on the obligations of, of Nedarim, which is to say they don't need She'ela. It's as if, Right, we believe them. It's as if they didn't have an edder at all. 
However, now the Mishnah says something cryptic and weird, which is Ve'im nishalu, but if they do go to the rabbi to undo the neder, Oyin machmir malahem. If we so this is ironic, right? That if they say that I didn't mean I, I didn't mean my wife, I meant my ex wife, we believe them, but if they come to get Sha'ela, we're actually gonna punish them, on Shimosam, and be Machmir, Divir That's what Rabmeir says. The Gemara is gonna already point out that this is ironic and strange and it's gonna explain what the mission means here. And then against Rabbi Meir, the Bechachamim, the mission says, we'll see who we're talking about here, that we don't say, oh, we're going to annul your nether based on, uh, based on the fact that you said that this isn't what you meant. We're actually going to find a different reason to annul your nether. And we instruct them that we, in fact, have, they have to, in fact, keep these nadarim. Right, and the reason why we do so, is so that they don't take the dharm lightly and start doing the dharm lightly. So the Gemara picks up here with the end of this Mishnah. And what is exactly this machlokas or and chachamim? What exactly is the halacha with respect to these nadarm? So as the Gemara says, hagufa kasha, which is to say, we have an internal contradiction here, right? We just started off, everything seemed like, yeah, we believe these guys when they say that they, when they explain what they meant, even though it's not what it sounded like. And then we have this machlokas, are we machmer in them? Do we not believe them? What exactly are we saying? So says the Gemara, Amar, at first the Mishnah says, it's, it, now it's articulating the question. First the Mishnah says, Eini shalanhen, right? That it, we just believe them, and we say whatever, we believe whatever they said they meant. And then Tana goes on and says, that if in fact they do, that they don't need She'ela, but if they go to She'ela, we're going to punish them. And we're going to be machmir. So what does this mean? So Amar Rabbi Yehuda, the Gemara answers, this is what the mission means. Really, <coughs> that we believe these people when they come for She'ela. Uh, they don't need the She'ela. We believe them when they just explain what they meant and we leave it at that and therefore they don't need any undoing of the Nadarim. <coughs> However, when is that said? Yeah, if a Talmud Chacham tells you that that's what he meant, then we assume that that's correct. So a Talmud Chacham already knows, first of all, he doesn't have to have She'ela. <laughs> right? But your tip-off, your red flag that he's not a Talmud Chacham is that he's coming for She'ela. When he comes for She'ela, So we see that this person has to be punished. Punished in the sense that we're going to be machmir to make him right follow through on the neder. Because clearly this Amaretz doesn't understand the difference, right, between this kind of nether and a different kind of nether. If we were to tell him, now I'm uh, kind of now I'm kind of inferring and saying out what are some of the infarshim say that if we were to tell him that he doesn't need she'ela, maybe in a different case where he does need she'ela, maybe he won't understand the difference and he won't ask for she'ela in that case either. Uh, whereas in that case, he maybe should have had to ask She'ela. And therefore, we're going to be machmir and we're going to tell him that he needs to do She'ela. Why are we punishing him? Um, so, so we'll see. That's what the Gemara asks. The Gemara says, by the way, Rabbi Rosner reminded me uh, something which, you may, uh, which we learned together in the seventh parak of Brachos. We talked about what an Amaretz is. Right? What is what's an, how do you define an Amaretz? So the different shitos. He doesn't put on tefillin, doesn't keep Shabbos. Do you remember this uh, uh, question of what an Amaretz is? And one of the, one, and at the end, I think it was Rabbi Chia who said, Amaretz is a person who doesn't have a Rebbe. 
Misha, and we say that's that's the best shot. That, and what does that mean? Uh, that means the person who thinks that their own brain droppings are the smartest things on earth, right? He has no checks and balances. You know, a person can have an old Rebbe that passed away. That's one thing. But a person who doesn't, right, have uh, a rabbi, a Rebbe that he defers to for a Masara, for a halachan learning, for a halachan perspective, and Ashkafa, a person who thinks that their own thoughts uh, they're enamored with their own thoughts. It's considered amara. So, anyways, they're prone when you're when you're when you don't have anybody right that uh, that you defer to. You're prone to coming up with your own erroneous conclusions, and therefore, in those cases, we have to be very careful. So, yes, yeah, yeah, still, and all the gemara asks bishlama machmir. Okay, so I can understand we're going to be machmir because they may be prone to confusion. and that means. That we're not going to find a pesach for him. That's a lashon that we use in the darn. Lo means whenever you try to undo a neder, you say that you're finding a pesach, right? An opening of grounds for undoing the neder, and we're not going to do so becharata, right? And charata usually we say, had I known it would be like this, I have regret. Regret, by the way, is not enough of a reason to undo a neder. Just like it's not enough of a reason for mekachtos. In 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 or in Dini Kedushin, just regret, right? Buyer's remorse is not a mekachtas. You understand? Those are two different things. <laughs> I had uh, personal experiences in in Dini Mamunas where and in, in in other areas where you know if people weren't completely satisfied and they didn't have the best experience, that has nothing to do with the transaction you made. Like you can't control right every circumstance. Um, we had Rabbi Yonah Reese from the Bezdin of America speak at Shomrei this Shabbos. So he said, sometimes when you think, and this applies to some things that we're going to say in the Gemara also, he was trying to explain that the Torah, is, and this is the Gemara, it's Muslim moment, that, that you think you're doing somebody a favor in Beinon Mechavero, but if you're, if you're not a Tamachacham, if you're not following, he was saying about Lot, right, giving away, this is this, this past week's Parsha, giving away his daughters instead of, you know, instead of his guests, these warped kind of values. So he's saying, if you don't have the Torah, then you don't even know sometimes in Bein Adam L'Chavero. That's what he said, Rabbi Moshe Tendler, where he grew up, uh, Zatzal was saying, Pshat and Munsi, that that's what it means when it says, when Hillel says to the person, to the Nudniks who are asking him to teach them the Torah, he says, everything is do unto others as you want others to do to you. The rest you have to go and learn, which is to say, if you don't go and learn that, so then you don't really know how to do it unto others, on what to do, how, how you would like to have done to you. Which is to say, right, that even Ben Adam Lechavero is dictated by the Torah. This is, right, Rev Weinberg, the former Rosh Hashiva of Neri Israel, used to say when, when Hashem gave the Torah to everyone and, and offered it to everybody. So he said to the Ishmaelim, right, as the Medrash says, Lo Tirzach, and they didn't want to take it. What does that mean he didn't want to take it? Why, what kind of society won't agree to, to do not kill. That shall not kill. So the answer is, uh, we know such societies. End of life issues, abortion issues, beginning of life issues, meaning not that they say that they should kill, but they want to define what k- killing would mean, right? So we know of such societies, right, that want to save the whales and save the environment and animal rights, but you have to kill babies, right? And, you, and, and, if, and if you don't have two, the same gender marrying each other, you're going to get fired, you know what I mean? Like we have, uh, you don't have to look far to relate to 
values that without the instruction of the Torah, even benadam lechavero are values that don't make sense. So charata, he was just saying they, that without, when he saw it in the case of agunos, that he had um, even Orthodox rabbis who weren't really well-versed in halacha, and they thought they would be makel on a guy and write him a letter that he doesn't have to give a get, it's okay, there's charata, he didn't think it was going to work out that way, he didn't think that the marriage was going to work out, but we know beferish, that charata, just to say, we didn't think that, we thought like the, like the guy would be different when I got married. And I have a little bit of regret. You know, he's not as nice of a guy as I thought he would be. We know Beferish that that's not grounds for divorce. Charata is not a undoing of a nether. So I thought in the context of Nadarim, it would be important to, to, to point out, right, that lo paschinan le becharata. We're not, we don't allow that to really be grounds for, for regret in Nadarim. So that's the Chumrah. So it's interesting it's, uh, it's explained as a chumrah because that's really the meikar adin halacha. Be that as it may, be that as it may, el aon shin hechidami, the Gemara wants to know, <coughs> excuse me, what would be the onish? How do we punish these amiratsim when they come and they want to do she'ela? Says the Gemara, kedetanya, misha nazar ve'avar al nizirusso ain nizkakin lo. Wow. A person who <coughs> vowed to be in a nazir, and then he violated it. Ain Nizkakinlo means we don't allow him, we don't facilitate. This is an interesting, this is the rush in Nazir explained what Ain Nizkakinlo means. It means we don't facilitate him uh, finishing his Tahara process, right? At the end of the Nazir, so you have to bring a carbon, right? You have to come to the base of Mikdash and conclude everything. And we don't, we're in the base, the rabbis control that and we don't let him do it. We don't let the Nazir end. Why? Because he has to have the full nazirus as long longer uh, uh, to make up for the day for the days that he did not fulfill his nazirus, which is to say like this: Minha Torah. Forget about uh, becoming tummy. The Torah explicitly says that if a nazir becomes tummy, there's a psukim in the Torah that explain how there is a purification process and how that goes on. That's already written in the Torah. If a Nazir, let's say, took on a 30-day um, Nazirus, and in that Nazirus he violated it, but drunk, drank wine, got haircuts and all that. So it's true that he gets punished. It's true that he, that he violated his Nazirus, but the 30 days is still remains a 30-day term, right? It doesn't extend his 30-day. But we don't let him. We make him make up for those days that he violated his Nazirus. That's what this means here. That's the Rabbi Yehuda. And so now, um, Rabbi Yossi just modifies it. Amar Rabbi Yossi. It says, Right? So, in a Naziris Mu'etas, a shorter, right, term Naziris was 30 days. So then whatever part of, let's say, 30 days that you violated, out of the 30 days, you spend a week on a drinking and haircut binge. So we're going to make you make up the week. Right? Um, for every day that you violated the Nazirus. As opposed to if you took a year long Nazirus and then during the entire year you basically potchkied around and messed with the Nazirus and do, didn't do it properly, we're, the, we're going to only make you make it up with having a kernel of 30 clean days of actual Nazirus. We're not going to make you make up an entire year. That's, that's basically the Shita of Rabbi Yossi. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda sounds like he would have you make up the entire year. Anyways, what does this have to do with anything? So it says, right, that it means that we punish the person, right, by 
making him observe the same number of days that he violated, right? And only then are we going to give him, in the context of Naziris, only then are we going to give him an annulment. That's, that's true of any kind of nether. Even though Midar Raisa, you just get the violation, but you don't have to make up the nether, we're going to make you make up whatever commitment you promised. Fine. So now, Amr Rabbi Yosef, Says now that we've already said that Rabbanan have right laid down the law and they said that we don't want to let him right we don't off the hook. Then if you can find a bezdin that does let him off the hook, they did not act properly. <coughs> That's Rabbi Yosef saying what I just said before. That's what Rabbi Yonari said. He said. He found a guy, he wasn't giving his wife a get, and he had three Orthodox guys that didn't really know halacha, who said, yeah, she, had she known you'd be such a jerk, she would have never married you, and that's good enough. You don't need a get, we're, we're, we're uprooting the, 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 we're uprooting the Kiddush and the Chathila. So they thought they were doing him a favor, right? They thought it was a nice thing to do, Benan and the So the guy runs away, he tracked him down, he was in Hudson Plutz in a conservative shul, and he actually found the conservative rabbi is sympathetic to Right, the halacha, and he said, "You know what? I'm gonna have. I'm gonna make him get uh, orthodox get because it's the right thing to do." And then he comes back to Rabbi Reese, and he says, uh, "What can I do? The guy has a letter from three orthodox rabbis saying that he doesn't have to do it. I can't speak out against it. There was no recourse that he had, and so Rabbi Reese was right frustrated because these people probably thought they were doing a favor, but I'm the chavero. But that's exactly what the Gemara is saying here: that once we say that that's the halacha." If a Bezdin were to be makil on the guy because they think they're doing him a favor, law of each here. That's not a good thing to do, right? Our morality, so to speak, is based, and that's the Gemara's Mr. Moment, it says our morality is based on the halacha. It's not based on uh, think we're being nice guys always. Sometimes being a nice guy has the neg- opposite effect if you're going keneged halacha. Fine. So now Rebbe Yaakov Omer What do we do? We excommunicate a Bezdin that annuls the nether. He takes from Yosef's statement and he takes it a step further. He says, we're going to, right, excommunicate, we're going we're gonna to dissolve that Bezdin. I want to say that's, that is no longer uh, a valid Bezdin. Amazing. Very, very, um, very harsh. Okay. But be that as it may, you know, what's the context? You have to see in the Mepharshim um, that it really should, should, only apply to Midor Raisas. Be that as it may, right, we see that the Bezdin should take it seriously. Okay, so now we're at two dots, eight lines up from the wide, uh, and we say as follows. Right, we said over there that the, the sheet of the Chachamim is that we, we tell that we find an opening, uh, and, we tr- and we tell them, that, however, that we they have to observe the nether there so that they, they're not be, going to be makil benadarm. So the Gemara picks up on that. It says, olam alti ragil benadarm. Person shouldn't be what? Shouldn't be ragil. I like this idea. You shouldn't be accustomed to nadarm. And we've been talking about this all throughout. How should a person, um, should a person take on a lot of commitments, take on a lot of nadarm? And we said there's such a thing as nadarm being a positive thing because it's a motivator. So Andrew is a very mayor guy. Andrew holds that nobody should get started with Nadarm. Better not to say Nadarm always. Other, right? But there are other Shitos, Rabbi Huda holds, that the best thing to do is to make a commitment and fulfill it. 
So how do you approach that? So I, this is a really good way to express the middle ground. It should not be something regular. In other words, Nadarim is something that should be rare, right? Uh, maybe compare it to, right, technically, an aspirin is technically a form of chemotherapy. Chemotherapy just means therapy by chemicals, I think, technically, right? But we refer to it to the worst diseases. You, we call it chemotherapy. So uh, chemotherapy is something that if chas v'shalom, something is, Rahman al-Islan has a terrible disease, so you have to do something so dramatic and so drastic Right, that it kind of kills a lot of different things and has a lot of different side effects, but you have to do it because right, it's going to right, uh, it's going it's going to eradicate whatever you need, and then hopefully you'll recover afterwards. So maybe that's an analogy of how to view Naziris, that a person really needs an overcorrection on a certain behavior. Right, um, he got a little bit too entrenched in olamazeh or whatever. Um, in licentious behavior. And so now he takes on the Naziris and it eradicates that. But nobody would say that you take what we call chemotherapy for a headache, right? Like use it like an aspirin. You go alternate months. You go one month you spend in Vegas and next month you're spending in Naziris on alternating months throughout the year. This is like, this is like absolutely ridiculous behavior. So that's what it's saying. You shouldn't be rugged. Like it shouldn't be like a crutch that you're always like returning to it. It has to be something rare and something that uh, is an overcorrection. You do it like once in your lifetime or something like that, right? Why? Because Shashav Chalim Ol right? Ultimately, you're going to transgress. What, what's this Lim Ol Because not only are you going to break in Nether, uh, you're going to break a Shvua. This is a little Machlokas Rishonim over here. It, the Ran says that the Shvua is more serious than a Nether. Some Gearsas here say that at the end you're going to break the Nether itself. Which is to say... Right, it, you can't just live a life of where you're you're not a balanced person, and you're fluctuating wildly between licentious behavior and naziris back and forth. Because eventually, you're just gonna not. It's not gonna take the naziris, right? It's gonna be uh, you're gonna desensitiz- desensitization to the naziris, and you're gonna end up just basically becoming a degenerate. Uh, so that's one thing. And then, and already, once we're talking about that, the Baraisa says, You shouldn't hang out with Amir Aretz because eventually you're going to um, slip religiously, you're going to start eating Tevel. But just to say, again, if you're hanging out with people who don't have Rebbeim, who are making up their own halachas, making up their own stuff, so then eventually, you know how that goes, it's a slippery slope, and then you start um, not eating the uh, Badats. Uh, and if the uh, Amaretz happens to be a coin, you're going to eat truma, which obviously you're not supposed to do. And the coin will say, yeah, my Avadim can eat it, so therefore you can eat it. You know what I'm saying? When people make up their own rules, eventually you end up violating halacha. And then it says at the end, shades of the first parak and fifth Mishnah of Pirkei Avos, So once we're already talking about slippery slopes, and degenerate behavior. We'll start with these guys who go to Vegas and then to, and become Nazir. Then we're going to talk about people who hang out and make up their own halachas. And finally, people who are inappropriate in their relationships with women, eventually it's going to go to lewdness. Uh, and that launches us, and Dafchaf over here in Nadarim, all about this like, uh, behavior with women and how to be inappropriate or appropriate in that regard as follows. So now we're three lines up from the wide. And Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yosha, Omer, Kol HaTzofa Benashim, Sofa Balidei Avera. 
person who looks at women eventually is going to come to sin. If a person stares at a right heel of a woman, he's going to have children who are not of good character. He claims, Rabbi claims that the children you have in some ways are going to be a reflection of a person's attitude towards these um, issue, or towards this issue of how to deal with women. Now, of course, Tsofe uh, Mistakel, you know, the term of looking, Andrew, uh, can have like different connotations, right? There's different, the creepiness level depends on what the word exactly means, right? Like you can look or you could stare, you could glance, you can gaze, you can leer, right? So like all these different, uh, I don't know exactly, you know, how each one, I think Tsofe means you're kind of staring, that's not good. Mistakel, you're like gazing, you're leering, what are you doing, right? So, so again, obviously, if you're just seeing, like if your eyeballs happen to uh, see a woman, that's one thing. But if you're actually like actively gazing and leering, that's obviously a different thing, and that's what our Gemara is talking about. To which I'm a Yosef of Ishto Nida, that even refers, and again, he, and then gazing is referring to gazing at the heel, is it referring to his wife even when she's an Ida? Right, again, shades of Perik, Aleph, Halacha, Hey, Mishnah, Hey, of Avos, where it's talking about Alte Resicha with Ishto, Kalvachomer, Eishos, Chavero. Right, what exactly is it referring to? So on the surface, right, it's obviously referring to you're not supposed to be too familiar and, uh, and, and the like. You're supposed to behave appropriately is the bottom line. So. He's saying no, that it's not really referring to a heel. It's, it's the heel is really, the brisa is, it's like a clean way of saying the area of the private area of a woman, because I guess it's opposite the heel in some way. Okay. And so the Farshim explained maybe that would apply even when she's not a nida. And again, everything is in context, right? If a person is actually leering at someone's heel, so then he's a little bit weirder than even a right, even weirder in a sense, right? So, who's to say that 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 one is better, one's the other? It's uh, all kind of in the category of you have to be appropriate in these areas. Fine. So now, Bryce along those lines, Tanya, This is a pasuk in Sefer Shmos <coughs> explaining what happened at Maimar Harsinai that you should have awe, right? You should have your yira. Was Yira, and interestingly enough, the Bryce says Zubusha, that everyone's supposed to have a certain sense of humility, a certain sense of shame, right? Um, and when it comes to uh, life in general, you should have a certain sense of pro- appropriateness. And that's how you avoid sin. Right? If you have some sort of shame, then at least you can have, uh, you can avoid some shan. And therefore, it's good to be somewhat bashful. A person who has no shame or self-consciousness whatsoever, right, <clears throat> is not uh, necessarily headed in a good direction. And others say, That it is, if a person who can be ashamed easily, he's not going to come to sin very quickly. But a person who has no shame whatsoever, Perhaps that would be a sign that he actually wasn't at Har Sinai. And that's a, right, a derivation of this Pasuk. Because the Pasuk says anybody who was at Har Sinai would have some sort of means would be uh, apprehensive about, sh- about you know, being bad, would be bashful and apprehensive. 
So if you don't have that midah, so perhaps that's a sign that you weren't, in fact, at Harsinai. Fine. So now five lines up from the bottom. Uh, we're going to dig deep into this gazing at women's sugi as follows. I'm Rabbi Yochanan ben Dehavai. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Dehavai, uh, an interesting source, not the Rabbi Yochanan that we know of, the great God of Israel, but Rabbi Yochanan Dehavai, apparently spoke to the angels. And the angels taught him four things regarding this issue. Okay, so he heard from the ministering angels four halachas on this and this area, as follows. Says Rabbi Yochanan ben Dahavayan. Why do you have lame people? They'd overturn their table, which um, the Farshim explains. Over here. Okay, so uh, basically, what he's saying, and all four of these things are going to be the same thing. He's, he's drawing a correlation. He's saying he spoke to the Malachi Asharis and he says, if you see a child that's defective in some way, he can be traced back to some kavana or some behavior that was done initially in the intimacy between a husband and the wife of the parents of this child. So if he's, if he's a chiger, if he's somehow lame, it's because of Bia Shalokadarka took place, or Ilmi Pte Mahavayan, Pteshim Nashkin also Makom. If they're mute, it has to do with the mouth because they were kissing where they shouldn't be kissing, or Kharshim Ipne Mahavayan. If they're mute and deaf, maybe it's Mishnashim Misapra, Mishash Tashmish. Again, all of these you could say, is this like a Kabbalistic thing or whatever it is? It's certainly not a biological thing. The Malachi Ashar is explaining, yeah, the deaf mute child, yeah, that's because they were, they were some, somehow. Mesaprim having inappropriate conversation during Tashmish, or assuming Pnei Mahavayan, why are they blind? Again, they're gazing in the wrong places during intimacy, and that's why the children, it's like Amida connected Amida, they're blind. So this was what the Malachi Asharis taught Rabbi Yochanan ben Dahavai. All right. So, Uraminhu. So now the last line. Shalu is Ima Shalom. Now we have a Brisa that seems to contradict what Rabbi Yochanan ben Dahavai learned. Why? Because they asked Ima Shalom. Ima Shalom is a woman. A woman named Shalom. If they could be Safta Simcha, they could be Ima Shalom, Andrew. We already met her in Shabbos stuff. Kuf Yud, Kuf Tes Zayin. She was, um, she was the wife of Rabbi Leezer. Tana of Rabbi Leezer. So she had amazing children. So they asked him, as we turn to Chafam Beis, why do you have such beautiful, amazing kids? So Amalayim, she explains them. She said of her husband, Eliezer, it, she attributed her beautiful children to his very appropriate behavior during intimacy. First of all, we had no like outside conversations. We, we were me is a is a right is a clean way of saying this is when we had intimacy and it was not like at four in the afternoon, nor was it like at, right, whatever, four in the morning, but rather, right, when it's most private, and then when we are intimate, this is a controversial idea, apparently, the Ima, the, right, the um, Ima Shalom uh, was appreciative of this, but then there's a whole controversy about whether you're supposed to be which is to say, uh, not exposed as little of yourself as you possibly can during intimacy, that's actually halachically perhaps not, and you have to look at all the sources. Again, um, it's apparently halachically not ideal. You're supposed to perhaps uh, be, you know, not uh, not covered. But be that as it may, 
she, um, she attributed the fact that he was somewhat covered for whatever reason to the fact that they had such beautiful children. Obviously, all of these things that he did was to be uh, very private, very discreet, right? Very intimate and the most intimate and not distracted. And that's what she attributed to. So all of those things are consistent with that, whether all of those things are halakhically applicable, right? Uh, for, for normative halakha is a separate issue. It should, this should not be taken as halakha, but be that as it may, she took, she, that's the, what she was conveying, that he was very, very discreet. Bedome alav kamisha kfao shade. So that's also even a more controversial idea. Um, the Pashup shot over here, the mainstream Rishonim are explaining is that he was also very quick. Bedome alav kamisha kfao shade. Like, like he's, like he's running away from a demon. Okay. Okay. Vamartilo matam. So the truth is, she's even revealing the Ima Shalom. She says, I asked my husband, why so fast? Why are you like this? Yeah, this is a good idea because this way I don't start thinking of other women. So, okay. To each his own. That was his mahalach and she thought that that was a great mahalach and that worked out and he was very discreet and very quick and that's what she attributed to having beautiful children to. In other words, that's the uh, conclusion of what he was saying, that if he had thought of another woman, which I think is the whole day is halacha you're not supposed to do, then it would be like mamzerus, because the halacha is that if you think of the other woman, according to some sources, it's as if you were in fact with that other woman, and then the women would come close to boyingly day mamzerus, and not actual mamzerum, but be like ki'ilu mamzerum, and so he was very discreet and very appropriate, and it was for that reason that they were zochet to have such beautiful children. Again, issues of being very appropriate, very discreet, and having the mind in the right place um, during intimacy. Fine. So this all is what? It sounds like, it sounds like it's not like Rabbi Yochanan ben Dehavai. Why? Because one of the things Rabbi Yochanan ben Dehavai said is misapren b'shaz tashmish. That's what's going on here. That he said it's not good that if, if, you, if you're having conversations during tashmish, Right, so then you're going to have children who are mute. And here it sounds like he's misaper imi. So you could say, wait a minute. He's using, she's using the Lushan misaper as like a clean language to mean intimacy. But it sounds from the way she's saying that maybe during the intimacy that they're actually having a conversation. And if that's the case, so then maybe that's connected what Rabbi Yochanan B'davai learned from the Malachi Asharis, to which the Gemara resolves by saying, lo kasha. Habemile de tashmish, habemile achrenayasa. Yeah. In other words, Ima Shalom is saying that they were actually talking about appropriate things uh, during Tashmish, and that's okay. What Rabbi Yochanan ben Davai is saying is inappropriate to talk about uh, during Tashmish is Mile Achriyasa. This is not a time to talk about your fantasy team <laughs> or about what's going on in the office. Okay? It's a time for intimacy. Fine. So now eight lines down on Chafam Abbez. Okay. Um, I had a coworker that I, I promised I would um, give them a shout out and I would dedicate it after them, but it's not going to be this stuff. We'll do it. We'll save it. Bezat Hashem, when we finish this parak, to uh, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it for the third parak, maybe. Okay. So I'm Rabbi Yochanan. So now we say like this. So now, oh, so that was Rabbi Yochanan ben Dahavai. How did I know that it wasn't Rabbi Yochanan? First of all, I knew because that's not because we're talking about Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And besides, Rabbi Yochanan here now says. That that's what they were Yochanan ben Dehavai. That's what the other Yochanan said. But this is the great Gadol in Eretz Yisrael. Yochanan ben Zakkai, Yavne. He's saying, that's what Yochanan ben Dehavai says. He says he heard from the ministering angels. 
אבל אמרו חכמים, והחכמים אמרו, אין הלכה כבי יוחנן בן דהווי. החכמים אמרו, that's not the halacha. In fact, we'll see, this is what the Rambam holds. And that's not halacha. In Shulchan Aruch, this is actually machlokas. Whether, uh, and, and I'm told by Shalom Rosner, the great Tafyami master, that the Rambam holds that you disregard these halachas of Rabbi Yochanan ben Davai, what he learned from the Malachi Asharis, and you go according to our Rabbi Yochanan, like this. Ella says the Gemara, Kol Mashadim Rotsi Lassus Beishta Oisa. That really, when it comes to behind closed doors and intimacy, everyone's got their own thing. What's the mushal? This mushal is going to sound a little uh, crass. Um, and the Mepharshim go through. Mm-hmm. Really, Martha Achronim explain why is this the mushal. Be that as may, mushal abasar abami beis atavach. It's compared to the meat you buy at Wasserman and Lumberger. Sometimes you want it just salted. Some people want it roasted. Some want it cooked. Some people want it stewed. And some, some are going to go straight off menu. They're going to go to Wasserman and they're going to buy fish, right? So I've been, I've been accused of, buying, uh, of ordering fish at Serengeti, which yeshivas people call Serengetis. I do. I order the salmon there because I'm not a big meat guy, Barry. Anyway, be that as it may, um, this is an illusion. It's kind of like to each his own. You know what I mean? Like everybody orders on the menu what they want. Okay. So Amar Meimar, Man Malachi Asharis. Wait a minute. But Rabbi Yochanan Medavai is quoting the Malachi Asharis to, to teach his halacha. So who are those Malachi Asharis? He says that has to be Rabbanan. It has to be that he's referring to rabbis that he heard it from. Why? Because if you really learned it from angels, we, we would believe him. And we would listen to the Malachi Sharis. Why? Rabbi Yochanan would never paskin against the Malachi Sharis in this regard. Why you say, what do you mean? Why wouldn't he paskin against them? Who cares what the Malachi Sharis say? Right? It's, it's, it's more authoritative what the rabbis say. They're the ones that's supposed to determine the Malachi. Elamai, says the Gemara. Yeah, but what were the Malachi Sharis teaching him? They were saying that if you behave in a certain way during intimacy, this is how the offspring will turn out. Well, that... The Malachi Ashari, it's not because they're angels, but because they know, right? They, they kind of know how the sauce is made, Andrew, right? When, when, the, when the Vlad is born in the Yetzirah Savlad. And therefore, it's not because of Malachi Ashari, but simply because they're a more authoritative source, right? Everybody else is just speculating. But this is an authoritative source, and therefore, maybe if they were real Malachim, we would have to listen to them, right? LMI, we say no. That the fact that, the fact that we don't, that Rabbi Yochanan didn't paskin like them means that it wasn't actual Malachim. And therefore, the question is, So why did he call them the ministering angels? Because the mitzayinik malachi asharis. Yeah, because the rabbis are so special that they're like malachi asharis. But it's not literal; it's a figure of speech. Fine. So now, eight lines up from the wide. Uh, Shaila is regarding to propriet, uh, what, what's appropriate uh, in intimacy. A certain woman came before the rabbi, and I'm below rabbi before rabbi, as it were. Rabbi Arachti Lo Shulchan She's referring to her husband. She said, uh, yeah, we were being intimate and he turned me over, like Abiyah Shaloka Darka. So 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 she's asking him like she goes to the rabbi and she asks, Is that okay? So Amallah, so the so Rebbe answered, Biti listen. it's allowed. This is again, it's like the Psak of Rabbi Yochanan, like the Rambam says. Banima so what can I do for you? Like what do you want from me? Uh, okay. So again, I am notoriously Tommy when it comes to these things. I don't know nothing about it. So if anybody asks, uh, is it like the Rambam? Is it like the Psak? I would say, ask your local Orthodox rabbi, like this woman. Anyways, a similar story. The same idea, right? She said, 
the same, the same question. She went to the rabbi and asked, Why is that different from how one would eat uh, fish? Which is to say, this is kind of like a to each his own thing, and like, why are you coming to me? Okay, interesting. Six lines up from the way. Says the Pasuk. You'll recognize this Pasuk. We're going to say it soon. Right? It's saying Krishna. You shouldn't follow your heart. So, It's referring to intimacy. A person shouldn't drink from one cup and think about another cup. If you apply it to intimacy, you shouldn't be with one woman. Think about another. The Gemara says, That this should be obvious. That everybody holds. However, here it's talking about like if he has multiple wives and he's thinking about not the right wife during intimacy, that's the Chiddush. Okay. And now the Gemara is going to finish off our parak for the last five minutes with nine ways in which a person should not be intimate and how the result would be degenerate children as follows. Uvarosi mi chasvashalam. It's a pasuk in Yechezkel. Uvarosi mikem hamoridim vaposhim. The pasuk says... I'm going to select, select from you those who rebel and those who are poshia, those who transgress against me. Oh, okay. So who are the rebels and who are the degenerates? So I'm a Rebbe You know how you get rebels and degenerates? If you're not appropriate in your kavanas during intimacy. These are the children that come out of the following nine ways that there's intimacy in ways that there should not be as follows. B'nai, and there's a mnemonic for it, in case you want to remember it, Goran. It's B'nai Osnas Mishagach. Right? Okay. How do you, so Osnas Mishagach stands for the following. B'nai Ema. Okay. Ema means that you're having intimacy in the context of fear. That should never be so. B'nai Anusa. Obviously, right? Rape is not a thing and so for the children of a forcible, forcible uh, intimacy. B'nai Snua. Should not be hatred between the two parties. B'nai nidui, if a person, if a man, let's say, is excommunicated, he should not should be intimate. B'nai tamura, tamura is an exchange woman. What does that mean? Like an exchange student? No. It means thinking of one woman when you're with the other. Okay. Uh, B'nai meriva, should not be intimate during a fight. B'nai shichrus, should not be intimate during drunkenness. B'nai grushasalev, should not have uh, children who are from a woman who may not be, Grusha Salev is an interesting term, right? They're not actually divorced, but in his mind, they're already divorced, right? Like they're separated, it's no, everybody knows where it's going, but they're still cohabiting, it's not cool, okay? B'nai Irbuvia, so what's this mingling? Like, yeah, mingling, like swingers or whatever they call it, like children of mingling where there's multiple partners is inappropriate. And B'nai Chatsufa, so that last case, the ninth case, is a brazen woman. She's the one that's initiating. So that last one, we're not sure. She's not allowed to initiate intimacy? Ask the Gemara, Aini? Is that really so? Might be even better. You might, if a woman is tovato, right? If she's the one that's initiating, that might even be better than the children of the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because after all, in the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, anashim vonim. That you should take for yourself men who are wise. Remember that? That we said, take, take wise men. Moshe tells to Yisro that he, that he was supposed to find wise people, right? And nevonim means that you're like, maven davar mitoch davar, right? Uchsiv, And then he took the leaders of the Shvatim, v'loksiv nevonim. At the end of the day, it sounds from the context of the Psukim in Yisro that he didn't in fact find nevonim. 
He only he found like whatever the, the, the leaders, but he didn't find this Navonim. However, when we talk about Isachar, right, how was Isachar born? Well, Leah. He was Leah's child, and he was born from Leah propositioning, right, and initiating with Yaakov. And we know that his children were Navonim. Ah, so in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu, there were great men, but they were not Navonim. But the child of Yisachar, who Leah propositioned Yaakov Avinu, they were Navonim. So how do you understand it? Says the Gemara, There's a different kind of proposition. There's a mechutzaf way to do it, which is inappropriate. Or there's uh, indirect, right, uh, uh, actions of Leah, where it's like not, although Leah sounds a little more direct than words, basically where she's showing that she is uh, available, but she's not being mechutzaf about it, being actually tsanua about it. Hadron, Allah, ve'elum, mutarin. And so we finish the second parak, but Zat Hashem tomorrow will resume on the bottom of Chafam Beis with the third parak of Masachas Nadarim.